Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was our finest. Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel due to this pandemic-type situation, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. That's the number 1-5-O-F-F. Go to thegallery.com, that's the G-A-L-R-Y.com, so that your wall will never be born again. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. And if anything's become apparent over the course of the show, it's that Sean loves pickles. <laughs> and I don't just mean sour phallus, I mean... The broader types of fermented foods, they're kind of an amazing mixture of biochemistry and bacteria, microbiome, and Sean loves, Sean loves all of that. Yeah. And you've kind of your whole life been a pickle man, right? I mean, I mean, all pickles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so not just pickled cucumbers, right? Although right. I do love them. Yeah. But also kimchi, pickled jalapenos. I'll put them fuckers on like anything. Yeah. Right. South Asian pickle or achar, right? All very, very delicious. And I think it's that sour tanginess. Yeah. Plus some, you know, kind of saltiness. Mmm, flavor mouth. Yeah, for the homoeroticism. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm all about. And, you know, I mean, we had just come off of our cheese episode, and I was surveying the world of things I didn't truly understand, and coming up with quite a list. Pickles, for whatever reason, happened to be at the top. Yeah, well, and also, I was having dinner with our parents, and mom was like... Hey, you know, these food episodes are good because lots of people don't care about science, but everyone eats food. Well, that's true. And then she was like, you know, you should do an episode on kimchi Yeah, yeah. yeah. She insisted on kimchi, so I looked into kimchi. It's too much for adding into this pickling episode. Really? I thought about it, and then I was like, ah, there's too much going on here. So, really? So I think it's going to be done. Do an episode. episode on kimchi? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I found an entire article, an entire journal article, wow. scientists, written about whether vegan kimchi is the same as traditional kimchi. Ah, I'm, well, you know that's going to be a huge fight yeah. in 10 years. <laughs> Very so exciting. A Korean farmers protesting. Well, like, they've already got in on it. There is a research article about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fun. But anyway, I've made pickled stuff before. Cool. Like, I made some pickled peppers and everything. Yeah. But when I made the pickled peppers, it was like... I boiled some vinegar and spices and water, yeah. like I heated it up to boiling, and then I dumped it on some sliced jalapenos and shit. Okay. And I took that, put it in the refrigerator for like a couple of days, and then I was eating it. Yes. Right? And in that process, I was like, wait a second, I just boiled stuff, how is there any fermentation? Right. And so looking into pickles, I found out like, okay, there's actually two big different chunks of what counts as pickling. Right. And then one overall principle. So. Let's get into this episode. Let's talk about what pickling is all about. Good, good. 
So, Sean, what is the unified theory of pickling? What, what's the one great fundamental principle? Sure. Unified field pickle theory? Yeah. Is pH protection. Right. So, a lot of these kinds of things have to do with preserving food. Okay. That's like one of the ideas behind cheese is being able to extend the lifetime of dairy products. Sure. And one of the principles behind pickling is extending the life of things like fresh fruits and vegetables. Right. And I think everyone knows that pickles tend to come from war-torn, beleaguered nations and peoples. <laughs> Koreans, Ashkenazi Jews, right? Italians don't worry too much about it. The Indian subcontinent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's all kinds of really delicious preserved foods and everything that we like. And there's different kinds of ways to discourage naughty bacteria and right. naughty molds and yeasts from growing. Would like a preserved jam count as pickling then on some level? Or is that like a different process? Like is anything preserved through changing the pH technically a pickled product? Kind of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of jams, their pH is not always in the category that would count. Okay. So there's a pH threshold, right. which I'll get into. But there's other ways to do preservation that's not pickling. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so for example, you can change the water content. Yeah. So if you dry stuff out, right. or if you add so much sugar or salt, yeah. such that there's not enough water for things to survive, right. things won't grow. You've defended it from me. Fucking jam's too sweet, right? It's an anti-Nathan mechanism. So, I mean, yeah, part of that process is getting some of the water out of there and getting some other stuff in there. To, I'm an all-or-nothing kind of guy. I want a hot dog or I want whipped cream. Wow. They're straight to the mouth. I don't want to waste it on any pumpkin or apple pie shit. I want to <laughs> right in there. <laughs> but you eat apple pie and pumpkin pie and shit. I'm trying to play a character for oh, the Oh, I see. I understand. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> right. used to lying to our listeners. <laughs> okay. So in terms of food spoiling, yeah. right, there's two different ways that food goes bad. Yeah. Okay. One of them is through like autolysis or the food breaking down itself. Right. And this is because Big Pharma put little packs of Lysol in human cells now, <laughs> right? And cells in nature. And so that just activates when you press a button or flip a switch in Bill Gates' house. Monsanto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, no. That's, that, it's just that, like, hey, after you pick a fruit or pick a vegetable, right. right, it's cut off from the rest of the plant. It's not receiving water. It's not receiving nutrients, anything right. like that. It's dying. Right. It's like if you took a Nathan and put him in a town without a Costco. <laughs> he would just slowly rot away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly like that. And so that is a process that's just naturally going to happen. You know, as soon as an animal is dead and you get its meat or something like that, that right. meat is going to begin going bad on its own. Even if there's no bacteria around, it right. will slowly start to come apart. Right. And refrigeration can help. But... Refrigeration doesn't really help with the other side of things, which is most of the time there are bacteria or mold or something like that around. Okay, we'll probably cut this question. But like, so how does meat work when you dry rub it and you let it age for a long time? Like, why doesn't all the meat go bad? Yeah. So in part, what is happening when you dry age it is some autolysis. Okay. But a lot of autolithic pathways and a lot of the bacterial mold pathways yeah. require moisture. And so yeah. the point of dry rubs actually is to help draw moisture out of the meat. Right. So that's why a lot of dry rubbed meat that's aged for a long time, it won't be as wet inside because yeah. water will have been pulled out. You know, the other meaning of autolith is monoliths across different nations that just kind of rise on their own. <laughs> you know, it's a, kind of a, a uniquely 2020 issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so for the autolysis side, right, 
you can get rid of some water or you can refrigerate it. That can slow things down. Right. Okay. On the bacteria and mold side, there's a few different ways to stop them. Again, drying things out by using stuff like salt or sugar or something yeah. like that can help. But another option is to bring down the pH. And then another option for some things is to get rid of oxygen. Okay. So I would say maybe the main bacteria that we're trying to prevent from growing right. is Clostridium botulinum. Right. So C. botulinum is like the big, naughty food spoilage bacteria. Yeah. And that produces seven different neurotoxins. Okay. Four of them work in people. Yeah. And they like pretty seriously fuck you up. Right. Yeah, you know, my buddy Andre, he's always telling me, he's like, Well, you gotta watch out for botulism! Yeah! Right, he can't keep garlic like that! And there, there's actually a lot of foods that if you just, like, kind of leave it out, they yeah. kill you. Yeah. And it's from this bacteria, huh? Yeah. So botulism is uh, basically what happens to you if you consume the neurotoxins produced by C. botulinum. Uh, th th these neurotoxins, like, actually attack your neurons, and it can be potentially fatal. Very you can cool. become weak. You can lose muscle control, not be able to, like, move your limbs anymore, stuff like that. How much of this bacteria do you think you'd have to create to purposely poison somebody? Oh, God. Uh, Cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a job. You understand? <laughs> I, you answered well. I'm, I'm a working person. Uh, I'm an undercover interviewer. <laughs> you, 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 you are allowed to have the job. Yay. So the thing about C. botulinum is that it likes to produce these spores, which is basically... Kind of like a shell that they put around themselves right. to go into hibernation. Right. And they can survive in pretty messed up environments. Right. So they could be on the surface of fruit or veggies. Oh, yeah. They could be on the surface of fruit and veggies right now. Mm -hmm. They could be in your fridge killing yeah. you. I mean, realistically, they're almost certainly on the surface of fruits and vegetables. Okay. So you just need a lot of them to like... Oh, I guess they're a spore right now, though. Huh? So they're yeah. not producing any neurotoxin. And if you wash your fruit and vegetables, and then eat them, mm. no problem. You're okay. losing a lot of the natural tenons, though. A lot of the dirt <laughs> on a carrot is what is what creates that kind of nice rough texture in your mouth. Well, but in any case, I think what you said was right, is that you need these bacteria to be dividing. Sexy. And then producing the neurotoxins. In spore form alone, that's not a danger. Right. It's the fact that those spores can survive a lot of other issues. Right. And so to destroy those spores, you can heat up your stuff, but like... You usually don't want to, like, heat up a fresh fruit or vegetable just to be able to eat it It's a little fresh. Gross. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's kind of not it's the point. suck. And so, one thing that does happen is you can use pH. So, below a certain pH threshold, yeah. C. botulinum can't grow. And specifically, that pH is 4.6. Okay, cool. So, acidic. Not, like, crazy acidic, but pretty acidic. As a reminder, like, lemon juice is a pH of 2. Right, okay. And since it's a log-based scale, that's like more than 100 times more acidic than this cutoff point, which is 4.6. You know, we haven't really addressed rules for the pod anytime recently, but talking about logarithms should be on that list of... <laughs> that's a no-go. I, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> you know Fair high enough. school was hard for me. <laughs> I don't like you uh, bringing it back up. <laughs> so mold and yeast, though, can handle low pHs. Yeah. But most of the time for them to be very active... Uh, especially mold. For mold to grow really well, usually it needs oxygen. Okay. And so pickling is a combination of pHs below 4.6. Right. And no oxygen. Right. Or anaerobic conditions. Okay. And then the big question is, how are we getting that pH to do the pickling? And that's what sets us up. Okay, sexy. The first way to do it, baby. And how many ways are there? Two. So okay. the two main distinguishing ways to make pickling. 
One of them is vinegar pickling. Yeah. And so to get that low pH, you can just add acid right okay, at the very start. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Vinegar is an acid. It's uh, acetic acid, usually 5% acetic acid. That means it's 95% water, 5% acetic acid. Cool. Okay. And if you have 5% acetic acid, that is good enough where if you add that to your fruits or veggies, that has a pH low enough that you're not going to right. have. If it's 3%, it's 2%, you fucked up. Yeah. You might get some bacteria. In fact, if you're leaving it out that long. Yeah. Whoopsie. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be a problem. So yeah. it, that's not good. You do need to be careful. Pretty much all of the vinegars that you purchase in the store are like 5% or higher. Okay, cool. Okay. Some people will like make vinegars at home, which is a fun little project to do. But homemade vinegars can have a variable amount of acetic acid. So you right. need to be careful. And you need a medical license for that too, right? No. Yeah. You can only grow five <laughs> vinegar plants. Yeah. <laughs> you know how vinegar is made, right? Uh, it just grows off a Heinz bottle, right? That's no. why if you like grate the plastic off a Heinz bottle why of vinegar so and plant it, a whole tree comes out. No, you know where it's from. Uh, you know, only kind of. It's like you ferment various fruits, right? Like basically, don't you? Like... Kind of. Yeah. Okay. So the way that vinegar is made. Yeah is you'll do two steps of fermentation. Yeah. You use yeast to ferment various fruits and sugars and stuff like that. Yeah. To make alcohol. Yeah. And then you use bacteria to turn alcohol into acetic acid. That's pretty cool. Vinegar production can sometimes be an unwanted side effect of bad alcohol production. Yeah. Like a vat of wine could go bad and turn into vinegar. Right, sure, classic. And that's because... <laughs> when you're actually making vinegar, you do take something like wine or yeah. vodka or something like that. And you just make sure that the alcohol content is low enough for the bacteria to grow. Yeah. And it turns that into acetic acid. So I was already halfway there. Yeah. Because for me, what I do is I get a vat of wine and then I drink it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's step one's done. <laughs> Half the battle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, otherwise <laughs> what I do is I sell the wine, I make money, and then I go to Vaughn's and yeah. I get the vinegar. Yeah. Either way, I'm pretty close to making my own vinegar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like grape juice. You feed it to yeast, they poop out alcohol. Yeah. You feed the yeast poop to bacteria. Right. And then they poop out vinegar. So Gross. it's it's double poop. It's okay. poop squared. Right. That's why if you just drink pure vinegar, it tastes like I mean doesn't we only it doesn't taste like poop. <laughs> it actually does though. It tastes, <laughs> tastes like something else's poop. <laughs> yeah. It's shitty, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no. I kinda like vinegar. <laughs> That's true. Vinegar is always good in a little bit, you know? A little sure. bit of vinegar. Sure, sure. So if you are pickling with vinegar mostly just to get that sour flavor, right? right? It does not take long for vegetables to pickle. Right. Okay. Like a lot of times when you look online and you see recipes for quick pickling and they're like, oh, 24 hour pickling or something like that. Yeah. It's a vinegar pickling recipe. Yeah. Because you have the pH right off the bat. Yeah. And you have all the flavors that you want from the vinegar and maybe some spices floating around in there that just kind of yeah. soaks in to the veggie. Yeah. I was reading a recipe once for a 12 hour Korean kimchi recipe. And what you do is you get the cabbage, you throw vinegar on it, and then you just have a really salty old Korean man eat it <laughs> with a little bit of um, laxatives and it just goes straight out in eight oh, hours. Oh, man. God damn. You, pure you, kimchi. You know. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Achishi brand. They you, sell it at Whole Foods You now. had a similar joke in our Cheese Part 2 episode. Oh, I did? About you and creating a new kind of coffee cheese or something like that. Well, the difference is that one of them is true. <laughs> Neither and of them is true. It's for the audience to decide. <laughs> it's all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes hearing about that idea. Well, I told you about coffee luwak that I had one time, right? I mean, that's why the idea of a cat pooping out really nice coffee, yeah. I think, has mystified me. And it was served to me by a beautiful lithe man. And I haven't quite gotten the memory out of my head yet. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's bad enough when it's cats, when it's either an old Korean adjushi or, or you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just not do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we need okay. to stop having food episodes. <laughs> so, the thing is, for the vinegar pickling, yes, a lot of times you will heat up the vinegar, spice, salt, water mix. Okay, cool. To pretty much the point of boiling, at okay. least briefly. Excellent. And a lot of times you will kind of finish... The final product with some kind of heating step. So basically, you're not going to have bacteria or mold or anything growing. Right. It's all dead. Right. So it's not exactly a fermented pickle. Okay, sure. Right? Like, vinegar is a fermented product, and right. you're putting that into the, you know, mix in with these veggies and fruits. Sure, it's really a cucumber that sucked up the other dankitude of the vinegar and the spices. Yeah. And so you're just eating, like, a stick of vinegar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's delicious. I like it. Yeah. But it is a, uh, like, it would not be correct to say that everything that is pickled is a fermented product. Right. Not everything pickled was fermented. Interesting. Uh, uh, is it is it dill pickle fermented in the traditional sense? Like, is there, like, a, a famous example of a pickle that's actually just, like, fucking vinegar sticks? I mean, depending on the product that you're purchasing, mm. a dill pickle can be made either through vinegar or brine pickling. Right, right, right. Like, either option can make that same product. Right. Dill is just a Yiddish word for a low-wage laborer. <laughs> D- so it's dill just is the p- herb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Popular amongst low-wage laborers in Ashkenazi regions. I think it's like a weed, kind of. So it's just I'm like- going to salvage what I said <laughs> any way possible. <laughs> so, like, for example, when I made my pickled jalapenos, yes. that was a vinegar pickling. It tasted exactly the same as the ones that I buy at the store. I'm pretty sure that you could pickle them brine pickling style, which is the next one we'll talk about. Yeah. But the vinegar pickled ones taste exactly like I expected them to. You know, you're a really handy guy. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. And you know what I respect about you is you're not handsy. Oh. Right? (laughs) We leave the handsiness to you. (laughs) Yeah. Usually guys are both. They're handy and they're handsies, right? <laughs> and and you're not. And I, res- I respect that gentlemanly quality about you. Thank you. Yeah, I try to keep my hands occupied with craft work. Yeah. yeah and respect personal space. But, you know, I've seen the movie Ghost. And I know that, like, mm. handy craft working often quickly Sometimes. devolves yes. into B-film eroticism. B-film? Yeah, I mean, have Patrick Swayze. B-film? Didn't I, it also have I, Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> <laughs> We've gone too far. That shit's straight up to A-plus stuff. All right. Let's, let's take a break. And when we get back, let's talk about the other form of pickling that actually has fermentation involved, brine pickling. Hey, folks. Studies have shown 93% of grandchildren are self-centered little shits that can't be bothered to send so much as a text to their doting grandma or grandpa. Yes, dear listener, I'm talking about you and me. We are all those shitty grandkids. Well, if you feel any semblance of guilt or propriety, sign up for With Love, a service that periodically sends your grandparents letters, flowers, and little tchotchkes in your name. Finally, rest easy at night knowing the most basic of familial obligations have been met. Reclaim your spot as the favorite grandchild with With Love. So, as you guys might have just heard, we're talking about brine pickling. Uh, question one, what's brine? Brine is salt water. Oh, is, is that actually it? Yeah. Oh, um, I feel dumb. <laughs> no, don't feel dumb. So, in chemistry, a lot of times when I think about brine, I think about a saturated salt solution. Okay. Which means that you can't get any more salt in there. 
Yeah. Right. So like when I made brines to use for chemistry purposes, I would put in so much salt that there was a cake of salt at the bottom that didn't dissolve. Yeah. And, and then that you'd give like, that to me and I just put that right on top of a little cut of steak. <laughs> and that was my dinner. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> brine cake salt. Steak. <laughs> but for the most part, brine used in pickling is pretty well below the limit of salt that you can get into water. And in this case, the salt I'm talking about is sodium chloride, like table mm. salt. You know, we should sell like at the farmer's market is like free range cageless brine water. Uh-oh. And it's just like we take the Chesapeake Bay and we just like scoop up brackish water sure. and we make sure we don't clean it. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it's got like all it's probiotic. Right. It's got like it might even be procrustacean. Right. <laughs> I bet yeah. you we can make fucking a lot of money selling that. So that's interesting. Sea salt is not recommended for pickling because it has all kinds of impurities in it. That's cool. Because it is kind of free range like that. Right, right? right. It's got all kinds of other things. And in fact, most of the salt that you use for cooking Mm -hmm. is iodized and has what are called anti-caking elements added in. And that prevents it from clumping up in like the bottle or whatever you buy it in, right? So that's really good for using for cooking, but it's usually not good for pickling. Yeah. Because those other things will make your pickling solution cloudy right. and kind of unpleasant to look at. Can I ask you like a really tangential question, but I sure. think a good one. Sure. Like what is it about iodizing salt that led to such good public health outcomes? Like what does that do? Yeah. So iodine is a really important element, especially for your thyroid gland. I think right, right. People, correctly. you get the funny throat. Yeah, it's called a goiter. Okay. And it's just like a big fucking huge thing growing out of your neck. Right. And that is from not having enough iodine in your diet. Yeah. There's a lot of natural sources for iodine that you can potentially get, but as people's diets for a while became kind of homogeneously not getting a lot of fresh fruits and veggies and like fish and stuff like that. Yeah, Gilded Age America was like not A plus for yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and I mean, all over the world as diets kind of shifted into Ninja this shit. pattern of like, we can get grains and right. turn them into carbs and then keep workers alive. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, or as Hunter gathers at Father Gazelle's giant iodine patches and just lick them, <laughs> right? But, uh, but yeah, so then we needed to iodize it to fill that gap in our modernizing diet. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, and so nowadays, if you get a pretty varied diet of right. a lot of different kinds of foods, you'll get enough iodine that it's fine. But if you eat like me... You need to get some iodized chicken nuggets. Like, pretty bad. <laughs> well, um, and uh, Sean, I think it's important for the pod that you apologize for calling Goiter Funny Throat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was very inconsiderate and insensitive <laughs> towards a, a, a stigmatized problem. Uh, well, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Th- thank you for telling me to apologize and not giving me the time to do it. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so, Brian. Yes. Brine pickling. Wow, we haven't even started the pickling part of that. It's a short episode. (laughs) So, brine pickling, you use brine, which is salt water, sodium chloride. Okay. And the idea here is you're adding enough of the salt water to your veggies and to, or fruit or whatever you're pickling. Right. That you discourage some bacterial growth at first. Right. And you just give it enough time so that other bacteria, which can handle the saltiness, start producing the acid part. Right, because pickling is about the acid. Right. So in this case, the saltiness kind of keeps things safe for long enough for the bacteria to get some natural acid production going. Yeah. So I can't just like put a cucumber in a big old bucket of soap. So that would preserve it too, right? Even though it's mad basic. Right. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So the, there, there's <laughs> ways to keep bacteria from growing on things that then make it not edible. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right, you just nuke it. <laughs> you can, right, if you turn a cucumber into ash. Right, yeah. You, I was just gonna. You can turn it into a charcoal brick. It's just it's not gonna be very tasty anymore. But then you can make meat, which is way better than a pickle. <laughs> But yeah, so so a lot of the preservation tactics have to do with what can we do to it to make it still palatable, but right. also not something that'll get eaten up by naughty bacteria. Right, 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 right. Because right. there are still bacteria growing in the case of brine pickling. Right? Okay. They're the ones producing our acid. And in this case, the acid option is lactic acid. Okay, okay cool. Vinegar is acetic acid. In this case, we're making lactic acid. Those are the two big common food acids, plus maybe citric acid, which is the one we get from like lemons and limes. This is exciting. So these are almost like, between vinegar and brine, in a weird way, they're almost like opposite methods. Whereas vinegar, we usually heat it to kill off bacteria. In this case, we're trying to create a better environment for specific bacteria to create our fermenting acid. Yes. That's cool. And so you need bacteria to make brine pickling work. Okay. Otherwise, it will not function properly. So this is the better pickling, because we believe in micro biomes here in my personal opinion yeah yeah i like this one better yeah it takes longer right and so that's kind of annoying you know that's a little frustrating it didn't take that long for seth rogan's character i guess he was using new york sewage water though it's like a lot of a lot of these lactic acid bacteria in there huh i was wondering how much seth rogan was going to be in this episode i was thinking that too (laughs) you know i found the first 30 minutes of that movie so boring and i walked away and then stacy kept watching it and they started making pickles and I was like, I kind of like this movie, actually. Say the name of the movie. I don't remember what uh, it's called. I think it's called An American Pickle. Okay. Well, everyone, if you watch it, stay tuned for longer than 30 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once <laughs> once the two Seth Rogans hate each other, the movie becomes a lot more interesting. Beautiful. I thought it was a TV series and then realized it was a movie. Who's that talking? Who's that ghost? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's true. It ended and Stacey was like, that's a long pilot. What's the next episode? <laughs> okay. So lactic acid is actually an acid that gets... Produced by some of the bacteria in cheeses also, yeah. right? So this is an acid that we've already discussed before. So all you really need to do is like take your veggies and put them in some salty water. Technically, if your veggies have a lot of water, you can just put salt on them. It'll draw the water out right. and it'll make its own brine. That's right? cool. That's essentially what happens for sauerkraut and kimchi. Right. Right. You don't really have to add very much water to either one of those. You're really just putting the salt on cabbage. Yeah. Cabbage giving up a lot of its juice. Does sauerkraut, is that where the uh, the racial slur kraut comes from? I'm pretty sure. Hilarious. It's, yeah. Or is it the other way around? Like, <laughs> like when you eat sauerkraut, you look like a sauerkraut. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the former. It was the former? Yeah. Uh, chicken and egg, though. <laughs> we'll never really know. It's lost to time. Great. Um... You know, like I said, the salt in the water can help prevent the growth of some other stuff for long enough for the lactic acid-producing bacteria, which are collectively called labs. Okay, cool. Long enough for them to get going and doing their thing, okay? And lab species, there's a bunch of different ones. Mm. And do they produce different flavors and subtleties? Yeah, 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 so definitely. So if I hop ahead to that for a second, there's basically two big names out of the lab species. One of them is Leuconostoc mesenteroides. Ooh, I think, okay. I, I think I pulled that off. Right, and, and the other one is MGM Studios. <laughs> the other right. one is Lactobacillus plantarum. Okay, cool. And those are the two main ones, and usually what happens is you have one of them first. The Leuconostoc one usually produces the lactic acid first, but then as it gets more acidic, it kind of stops. Yeah. It's not as good at surviving at acidic conditions. Okay. And then the Lactobacillus plantarum comes in. 
And it's like, they take over and they produce a shitload of lactic acid and put the pH even lower. Okay, that's cool. It's interesting that those are the two major ones because they also are two kind of different subcategories of labs. Mm. There's what called homofermentative and there are those that are called heterofermentative. Okay. Homofermentative in this context means that their main product is lactic acid. Okay. So they're eating up carbs that are around. There's a lot of different kinds of carbs that could be coming out of veggies and fruits. Yeah. Right? It could just be straight up kind of fructose and things like that from fruits, but also plant cell walls and things are made up of carbohydrates. And as those break down, you start to free up more and more food for this bacteria to get going. So the homofermentative ones pretty much just make lactic acid. That's just acidifying things. Right. That is a good flavor right. and everything, but the heterofermentative ones yeah are making lactic acid plus other stuff. And right. that other stuff can add a lot of unique flavors in. Right. The heterofermentative ones are usually ones that produce carbon dioxide as yeah. well. And that's one of the reasons why some cheeses have holes in them, right? It's from the bacteria producing carbon dioxide and creating these little holes. Uh, it's one of the reasons why if you're pickling stuff, sometimes you have to, it's called burping the jar because it'll produce this carbon dioxide and it kind of builds up and pressurizes yeah. the container. You know, I'm a little disappointed in myself. Why? I think I had a pretty good joke. It was that uh, Ryan Murphy is homofermentative because he takes the same type of stories and then ferments them until they're shit. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'm glad we finally got to dig in at Ryan Murphy. Finally. He deserves it. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Ratchet. <laughs> so, fuck. So when you are making these kinds of things at home, a lot of times what you're shooting for is 3.5% salt. And that is preferably, like I said, a pure salt, a pure sodium chloride that doesn't have anti-caking agents or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes brine mixtures can be higher percent salts. You don't really want to go any lower than that. Because right. lower than that, and you're not really discouraging the growth that you're trying right. to prevent. But if it's too high, it's going to taste all poopy doopy, right? Well, like you don't want too salty, right? That's true. That's true. Above a certain point, like I think above 20% salt, right. pretty much nothing grows right. anymore. Yeah. And you're doing what I would call more curing than pickling, mm -hmm. which is to say you're not really having lactic acid production. You're not really creating any kind of acid. Right. You're just keeping it safe from the saltiness of it. Right. And curing fruits and vegetables is a way to do stuff. It's just a different way. Okay. It's okay. not pickling. So, you know, in terms of health benefits Yeah, is it better because it's probiotic? So long as it's not further processed, it okay. is probiotic. So what I mean is that sometimes you will let it ferment to a certain point, and then you will stop the fermentation, right? Continued fermentation can make things softer and softer. So mm -hmm. maybe you want to, like, halt it at a certain point so it's still, like, kind of crispy or something. Right, okay. Right? And so when you do that, you'll usually take the still-sealed jars and you'll put them in hot water, basically, right, to raise the temperature. Right, and that's going to kill whatever's in there. Right, on purpose. You're right. purposefully killing the stuff doing the fermenting, right? Right. And so in that case, there's no probiotics involved. But if you're eating something that's still got living stuff in there, it's still making all them bubbly juices and everything, yeah, that's probiotic. Okay, cool. I've heard something said that, like, some vitamins get produced, and that is true. Like, the bacteria will produce some vitamins. Like, especially, I think, vitamin K. Depending on what fruit or veggie you put in as a fresh fruit or veggie, there can be some vitamins from them, right? Yeah. Like vitamin C, some B vitamins. Some of those vitamins are a little sensitive. Yeah. And can get destroyed during the pickling process. Yeah. Like, they might not make it through pickling. Okay, okay so well, I don't need any of that stuff anyway. 
Uh, Stacy just like shoves a fistful of vitamins every day, tearful as she mutters that I'm not taking care of my body. I don't think you need to do a fisting motion when you talk about it. <laughs> I mean, you tell her. <laughs> oh boy. Um, anyway, and then to do this pickling process, right? You get these veggies, you put them into the brine. You don't want the brine to be boiling. Because that will kill the bacteria. Right. A lot of this bacteria, you're expecting it to be on the skin surface of these fruits and veggies. And then you leave them at like room temperature or slightly cooler than room temperature. And you let it go sour. Okay. And then from there, you can put it into the refrigerator if you want to slow down fermentation. Right. Or if you want to kill it, then yeah, you can boil it. Okay, cool. All right. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk about maybe one of the major... Things on people's minds when it comes to pickling, yeah. which is keeping them crisp yeah. through the pickling process. It's like the third 21 Jump Street. Keeping it crisp. <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's take a break. <laughs> the following is an actual advertisement. This is the Bold Scientist Podcast, where we talk about science, from the factual to the fictional, and sometimes a bit of both. With me, your host, Dr. One R. Pagan. For more information, please go to boldscientist.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay, Sean, so how do you keep your pickles crisp? Yeah, so I think from a texture perspective, a lot of people like their pickled foods to still have a little bit of crunch to them. Right. Right? I think it adds a little bit of variety to that texture. My attitude's always like, if I'm going to eat something gross, at least give it like a nice kind of texture to it. Gross? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Pickles are delicious. Let's not fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I feel like every pod, you become Azerbaijan and I'm Armenia. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How come you get to be Armenian? <laughs> anyway, okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm okay. beleaguered. <laughs> so the texture in fruits and vegetables, or the thing in them that gives them that texture, the crunchiness, it's largely due to pectin. Pectin. And pectin is a carbohydrate. Right. It's kind of this long chain right. carbohydrate. It actually is what a penis is composed of. Like a penis, <laughs> a penis is just four to, to five inches, <laughs> in some people's cases, <laughs> of pure pectin. I can't believe we've done this. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if it makes you feel better, I've done this. That's Yeah, you know what? That does make me feel better. I mean, you're complicit. <laughs> I'm an accessory yeah. to what you've done here. Yeah. Okay, so that is not true. Pectin is not involved in people. It is a uh, it is a plant thing, but it is this long chain of carbs, and one of the places that you can find it is in the plant cell walls, but also you can find it a lot in between cells as kind of like a glue in between cells. Okay, cool. And so pectin, both making pectin and breaking down pectin, is something really important that happens in fruits and vegetables and things like that. Okay. And it's one of the ways that you can have things like abscission, leaves falling off of trees, right. or fruit falling off from the tree or something like that, yeah. right? And the softening of the fruit later on, right. all of that is from changing the pectin amount and length and everything so like if a pickle is getting fermented or i guess a cucumber and it starts to get softer and softer like literally the pectin's breaking down yeah yeah that's one of the big thing that's going on there okay cool 
And so pectin can break down gradually on its own. Like if you put pectin in water, it can undergo hydrolysis and the water will kind of help break down that pectin over time a little bit. But really it's broken down much, much faster by enzymes like pectinesterase and polygalacturonase. Galacturonase, yeah, hopefully. Anyway. It worked on me. <laughs> so these can be found in the plant, but can also be found in fungi. Okay, cool. Okay. And there's some ways to try to get around this loss of crispiness from the pectin breaking down. Big way is salt, huh? Yeah, yeah. So if you use a lot of salt, something like 5 to 8% salt while it's fermenting, um, what that does is it will pull out some water, put some salt into the actual vegetable, and will sometimes inhibit the activity of these enzymes. The enzymes won't be able to work as well. Right. So they won't be able to break down the pectin as quickly. But then it's real salty, right? And it tastes yeah. too salty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of times when you have brined cucumbers that are getting turned into pickles in like a commercial sense, right? they'll start out at like 5 to 8% salt. And then they'll go up to like 12% salt to like store them for a while. But 12% salt is way too salty. So they'll usually wash them after that. Okay. And that washing process actually creates a lot of industrial waste in the creation of pickles. Because it's salt water mixed with some microbial products and stuff like that. If you just put that into a river... You just made fucking a saltwater river. <laughs> like wow. that, that's not what lives in, you know, like yeah, things can't survive. The Great Jewish Fire of the Hudson in 1903. <laughs> well, it creates like brackish water, right? And so uh-huh. like that's actually bad for the ecosystem. So there's actually a huge sort of industrial search for ways to be able to make these pickles with less sodium, not for health purposes, but for dealing with the industrial waste. So we process. haven't figured this one out yet, huh? Uh, I read a couple of papers that are about replacing some of the sodium chloride with other salts. Oh, okay. And, like, if you can use less of those salts and then way less of the sodium chloride so that the overall salt content is still lower, but you don't super change the flavor. Yeah. And one of the issues is that a lot of those other salts, calcium chloride is one of the big ones. A lot of those other salts add little kind of flavor notes to it if they're used too much. Yeah. And so... (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of articles out there where they're like, we use this much calcium chloride and then had food testers taste it and like they couldn't tell the difference. But then when we added this much, then they could and they said it tasted bitter and shitty. And like, so there's a lot Interesting. of that. Calcium chloride is going to come up a little bit later, but the main point is you can use salt. Salt will help with crispiness. Okay. Another option is that you can remove some parts of the vegetable that might have extra amounts of these enzymes. Right. So in cucumbers... There's lengthwise, there's two ends of the cucumber. One of them had the stem attached. Right. Okay. And the other end is called the blossom end. Right. When they're growing, that's where the flower is. Right. The blossom end has a lot of these enzymes in it. Right. So people will recommend you cut off the blossom end before you pickle. Right. Otherwise, your pickles will get too soft too quickly. Yeah. The word foreskin was just screaming in my head for the whole time you were talking, and I didn't really know how to say it, so I just said it now. <laughs> Maybe that's where they got the idea for that. Yeah, if they were making pickles. The blossom end, yeah. yeah. No, that's not how that happened. Yeah, that was a different era of, uh, of, yeah. of Semitic culture. <laughs> okay, a third option is before you do the pickling, you can blanch the vegetables in hot water. Blanching is something that's very valuable for a lot of cooking, but I just hate the word. Like when I mm. hear blanch, it sounds so unappetizing and Tennessee, you know, Williamsy to me. So it's like, sure. like I, I, I blanch at the thought of blanching something, you know? Is there a, a word you find more attractive? Like, uh, just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I 
the octopus before I cook it. Just, it's really important to f your octopus to get all the little to, to, to par cook it on the outside. This is brainstorming. Okay, no bad ideas. I was just tossing that one out there to see how it worked with you. I, well, I already <laughs> my octopus before I cook it, so 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 now we don't know what I'm talking about. That's true. That's true. It does add that complicating factor. We all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so blanch the vegetables in hot water, and what that does is that deactivates some of the enzymes. And that can help some. They'll still soften over time anyway. And the heating process can automatically soften the vegetable a little bit. Right. So you immediately drop some of your crunchiness. Right. But it will stay at that level for longer because you've deactivated those enzymes. Okay, that's cool. The fourth one is tannins, apparently. Okay. Very cool. So... It's a little hard to tell how much of this is real and how much is kind of like a folky kind of folk wisdom sort of thing. Right, okay. But the idea is if you add in a leaf, like a grape leaf or maybe like an oak leaf or something like that, these okay. leaves have a pretty high amount of tannin. Yeah. And the tannin will kind of come out and inhibit the enzymes. Yeah. I found one paper where they were looking at it and they saw that tannins can inhibit these enzymes from working. But can also make it pretty bitter. Tastes tanniny. Yeah, well, so just in general, you need to be careful how much of this you put in. Because right. it, it will change the flavor. So, you know, you don't want to put in too much. It's not like there's an abundance of papers on this being true. Right, this is mostly apocryphal. It's folk wisdom, like you said. Yeah, but some people like to do it. And yeah. hey, man, if they're making crunchy pickles, I don't see the problem there. Stick a grape leaf in. I like folk wisdom. It's more accessible to me than the wisdom acquired through years of learning and erudition. You are very Volk-like, I agree. Yeah. So the fifth option is you can add calcium. I mentioned calcium chloride earlier because right. it was one option like, okay, let's lower the amount of sodium, add in some calcium, and then that way you still get salt in there. You're still discouraging some microbial growth. Does that just stop the enzymes from working or is there another function? That right. Works? So there's actually two mechanisms where calcium can help. Right. One is stopping the enzymes. The other one is to cross-link the pectin. So if you imagine pectin is like hanging out, it's like giving the vegetable structure, mm. right? It's kind of like a building block. The enzymes are cutting it up into pieces. It's getting weaker. But calcium has two positive charges. Mm. And pectin is just a chain with a bunch of negative charges. Okay. Okay, positive and negative attract. And since calcium has two positive charges, it can, like, kind of grab onto two separate pectin chains and, like, hold them together. Sexy. You know what I mean? You're moving in a very sexy yeah, way. Yeah, you're like, ah, I'm yeah. holding it together. Yeah, you're like Spider-Man and Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Sp yeah. Spider-Man in a lot of movies, actually. That's <laughs> right. a very popular, like, Christ-like move that he does, <laughs> yeah, where he's, like, too. holding two web things together. Like, what I like is how no more Christ-like superheroes do that. <laughs> Captain America's never <laughs> pulling two things together. Oh, hold on, though. He did one time. Oh, he did? He did one time in, uh, I want to say, Winter Soldier. Because mm. the... Winter Soldier's in a helicopter, and it's starting to fly oh, away from the helipad, yeah. and he grabs the helicopter, and he's, like, fucking pulling the helicopter in toward the helipad. Yeah. That was badass. And what's crazy is Chris Evans did his own stunt there. That wasn't CGI. <laughs> he pulled an elevator to a building. Helicopter. <laughs> what did I say? Elevator. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was in an elevator in a different scene. That was also a great scene. That was a good movie, man. My understanding is that whatever he was doing there yeah. to like flex his muscles so hugely yeah. and everything, they always put him in tighter shirts to make right. his muscles all even sexier. Right. He apparently pulled a bicep. Really? Because he was pulling on something. Not a helicopter. It is a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
He's a very sexy man. Yeah. He's beautiful. He's great. What were we talking about? Oh, he, calcium. He's good enough that I almost like Knives Out. Oh, I, yeah. I liked Knives Out. I, I actually also do. Um, <laughs> although I had read a Raymond Chandler's essay kind of recent to it that was a basically shit-talking English-style murder mysteries. Right, yes. And I read that, and then yeah, I saw Knives Out, and I was like, yeah, this is contrived garbage. But like, but like, that's that's way too intensely said. It, a lot of great acting, amazing editing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. So calcium <laughs> is holding these pectin chains together. Right, just like the acting held together that movie. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that can give some more structural integrity to the plant so that it still has more of that crispy texture. So actually, one of the things that people will do is they'll soak cucumbers in, in Lyme. Lyme disease. No. They'll get ticks and squeeze a thousand! <laughs> <laughs> Lyme blood! That is not even the lime I thought you were going to go with. I know. Disgusting. I um, got you, baby. That's because I actually, I literally saw the notes and you spelled lime L-I-M-E. And I was like, it's spelled L-Y-M-E in this case. I looked it up and I got like a tick image. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other lime is still L-I-M-E. way too many limes. It's like limestone. Right. Right. Which is also I-M. Right. And that lime, not not ticks, and also not the fruit lime. No one even thought about that. But the powdered mineral lime is mostly different kinds of calcium salts. And if you take some of that food grade lime. Yeah. Not like not like uh, construction lime or like well, I was about to say like uh, we, our, like biblical archaeologists have found ancient Jewish like Israelite like lime cucumber production sites where they would just like bore little holes in the limestone and just <laughs> shove the cucumber in there and just cover it back up and sometimes they forget about it when Babylonians invaded wow beautiful isn't archaeology great even when it's a lie? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When it's saying imaginary people like Jesus existed. Oh, this imaginary guy walked here. It's like, okay, History Channel. Wow, hot take. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Some of our family listens to this. Anyway, but the point is <laughs> that lime is very high in calcium, and you can soak the cucumbers in the lime first, wash it off, and then go through the brining pickling process. Right. And then they'll be nice and crispy. So that's an option as well. Boom. Okay, guys. Well, (laughs) (laughs) so that's it for pickles. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have like a good outro for this episode? I think pickles are delicious. I don't think that they're as nutritious as some people might hope. Right. I think they're pretty high in sodium. That's dangerous. Cheese is also high in sodium. So yeah. all the things we've talked about for like yeah. these past three weeks are high in sodium. You need to be careful about that. Right. Pickling is more a desperate bid to survive in impoverished times than it is something that's like strictly speaking healthy. Yeah, yeah. They can be nutritious. And ones that were fermented, like the brine pickled stuff, can have probiotic elements to it. And so right. that can be good. But in all of these cases, you need to watch out for sodium. It is a very clear connection between having high sodium in your diet and having deleterious health effects. Well, this is why in Jewish delis you eat it with rye, right? You eat pastrami, rye, and dill pickles because then they all kind of balance out into a nutritious meal. I mean, (laughs) in a lot of times the main point was like, you do try to have them as kind of like little side things. Right. Right? Along with a much bigger meal of other stuff that doesn't have sodium in it. That and life would suck if all you ate was pickles. <laughs> Your pee would smell bad. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I like kimchi. I don't know. I, I could eat that a lot. Yeah, but is the meal? Yeah. I, I guess. guess I could eat kimchi bokum. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right, everyone. So let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you, Brian, for art. 
Thank you, Griffin, for your support and admiration. <laughs> uh, go ahead and check us out. You can tweet at us at Dish Podcast. You can send us an email at PetriDishPod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to support us, go to Patreon.com slash PetriDish. Yeah, and we will see you all next time. <laughs>